You are now listening to the Soul and Wonder podcast, episode 41, Healing with Music, featuring Trevor Oswalt, aka East Forest. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder podcast, where the conduits of the body, depths of the mind, and atlas of the soul are explored with devotion. Through cultural exchange, Christopher and Sarah and their guests will deliver sacred wisdom from around the globe uncovering the hidden gems of conscious living and holistic healing all to empower you on your journey of self-discovery and now here are your hosts christopher and sarah welcome ladies and gentlemen to the soul in wonder podcast yo 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 (laughs) we are here hosts christopher and sarah what's happening guys We're so happy to have you. What a beautiful, beautiful interview we have for you in this episode with Trevor Oswalt, a musician by the name of East Forest, whose mission in life is to share with the world his music, which he refers to as, quote, the medicine I need to make it in this world, end quote. Yes, that is exactly, precisely why we got Trevor on the show, because He resonates with us. His music is phenomenal. It'll take you on a journey. And it will take you on a journey as uh, I share in the beginning of the episode. But before we get into the interview, we want to share a little love note with you. Someone by the name of Sandwoman left us a great review on iTunes. She says, excellent podcast, triple exclamation mark. I'm really enjoying it so far. Great job, Christopher and Sarah. And she left a bunch of hands clapping emojis. Well, Sandwoman, whomever you may be, we are happy you feel this way because we pour our heart and soul into this podcast. This is, as we've said before, kind of, I don't know, what would you call it? A little selfish bit about our business because we get to have such wonderful conversations with such inspirational people. But we want to make sure that you're getting valuable information from this. So leave us a review, you know, five stars, hint, hint. And that way we can grow our podcast and reach a much broader, wider audience. And of course, send us a message. Let us know who you want to be on the who you want to have on the show. Who would you like to learn from? We're always taking guests. That is right. So just to recap a little bit before we dive into this interview with Trevor aka East Forest. We just got back from Sarasota, Florida, and what a trip it was. It was so much fun. We had such a great time, and it was not all for relaxation, but we did do a lot of that, which was (laughs) much needed. But we were there speaking at the Solutionary Health Festival, and just what a beautiful festival, a lot of wonderful people. Shout out to Solutionary Events for what they're doing in the vegan community. They're really empowering people, bringing people together, and it's just wonderful to be a part of that. So We had such a wonderful crowd show up, too. The tent was full. People were laughing. They were crying. They were in it, wrapped in it with us. Yeah, it's another one of Sarah, Sarah and I's passions is, is to not only spread this wonderful message of hope and empowerment within the vegan lifestyle, but also to just really inspire people to their core and bring them closer to themselves, bring them closer to their purpose, their higher calling in life. And so they can go out and express their uniqueness and really make an impact on the lives of others. 
And if you're sad because you missed it, maybe you're in the Scottsdale, Arizona area because we'll be there January 20th. Yes, we will. We will be speaking at the Arizona Veg Food Fest, January 20th, 2.55 p.m. So come and check us out. It's actually a two-day festival, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and I know we're really, really stoked and looking forward to that. You can check out more details, of course, at www.solemnwonder.com forward slash speaking. And we'll be sure to give you a heads up as we inch closer to the date. But for now, we have extremely big news to share. Like, big news, guys. Big news. Soul and Wonder has had a complete makeover. I like to call it a facelift. We have essentially rebranded and relaunched. So we want to tell you what's going on with that. You know, it's been a really long road since we first launched in June of 2016. And since the beginning, we've always had one goal in mind, and that was to inspire and empower people on their journey of self-discovery, you know, helping them to heal holistically, mind, body, and soul. And we've spent endless days so many nights training in a wide variety of personal development and healing techniques to accomplish this goal. And over the past year and a half, we've had the opportunity to work with some truly, truly amazing people along the way. But we've always kind of felt that we hadn't quite reached our full potential, like something was missing. And then it clicked. It all came together. So we're so excited to announce that we've gone through this major transformation and have narrowed our niche to serve the vegan community. We now aim to help vegans connect with their innate wisdom and align their lives with what's most important to them so they can reclaim their personal power, find their purpose, and reach that state of balance necessary to become powerful catalysts of change in a world full of suffering. So this does mean that we are shedding, you know, that which no longer serves our higher purpose so that we can make way for the new opportunities to make our vision for our community truly come to life. So we will no longer be offering our services separately to just anyone like we were doing previously. Instead, we've rolled all of our strengths, our talents, and our passions, including each of our services like health consulting and life coaching and more, into one large program for our vegan community called the Vegan Warrior Total Immersion. In the past, when we gave you a sneak peek on the immersion, we did refer to it as Core Essence, but the title has changed to reflect what it truly is, a total one-on-one transformational experience for vegans to reach their full potential. And we've also created an online Vegan Warrior Academy that will house our upcoming book, that's exciting, and digital course. And of course, you can find the Vegan Warrior Total Immersion there as well. However, if you're not vegan, don't go running away yet. We are keeping our podcast the same as it is, as well as our blog and YouTube channel. So make sure you stay tuned for more updates on those along the way. So check it out, guys. Check out our newest changes. We want you to see our makeover. Visit us at www.soulandwonder.com. So what do you say? Are you ready? Let's get into the interview. But first, let's talk about East Forest. So when Trevor Oswald, aka East Forest, translated his name from German to English, 
He never anticipated the musical journey it would take him on. 14 albums later, including a collaboration that went number one on iTunes Electronic, East Forest continues to explore a path of emotionally driven music. His newest release, Karen, a collaboration with producer Keith Sweaty, is a collection of beat-driven tracks, analog synths, acoustic piano, and a wealth of vocals and lyrics by Oswald. And let me tell you, this album is incredible. Sarah and I can't stop listening to it. The timing of Karen coincided with the time of deep personal change for Oswald as he left a long-term relationship of many years and found himself in an unexpected emotional depths. East Forest's mission is to share his music, which he calls the medicine I need to make it in this world. He's purely refreshing to listen to, and you might notice this episode gets sort of hypnotic as the three of us, our voices, mirror each other as something nice and calm and smooth. So enjoy the the, the energy of this one. We're going to talk about Trevor's evolution into his music, where it all began, where it went, and where he is now, of course, where it's going. And You know, the main thing that I think I took away from this episode was how he mentioned it's so important to him to allow his music to unfold naturally and with divine timing and purpose. I think that that's truly brilliant to let your music create itself through you as a vessel, so to speak. We talk about his past with sound bath, sound healing, but how he even to this day uses his music as well for healing, especially at his retreat that he holds once a year in Utah, which I want to go to. So there's so much more. Stick around to the end of the episode for your health tip, of course, and enjoy this interview. Ladies and gentlemen, we are super stoked to have Trevor on the show with us, also known as East Forest. Thanks for coming on the show, Trevor. Thanks for having me. Well, it's, uh, you know, we've always wanted to get some artists on the show. We like to keep a diverse show here, and uh, your music has been uh, extremely influential and inspiring to us uh, for a few years now. And I was first exposed to you when... uh, well, kind of just through Spotify, I was in, Sarah and I were living in Africa in the Peace Corps, and there's a lot of moments where, you know, you have a lot of time alone in isolation, and, and you'd go to town and check out Spotify, see what's going on, and I'd uh, seen, uh, I for, forgot the first album, I think it was Music Meditations was the first one I listened to, and it just uh, brought me uh, to some deep places within myself, so you, you're, you're doing some awesome stuff. That's cool. I like to imagine East Forest music in Africa. (laughs) Sounds kind of cool. You've probably touched so many corners of the globe that you have no idea about. It's always cool to discover that. That's the beauty of like digital music and the internet and stuff. It's like how far things can reach and kind of crazy random stories you hear. Yeah, I was always wondering. Parts of the world. I was always curious about how artists feel about the digital landscape of our uh, 
music listening experience these days. There was something, Sarah and I were on a road trip the other day coming back from a speaking engagement. We were talking, we were like, you do miss that, you know, having a buy, going to a store and buying a CD and putting it in your car and you take care of that CD for a long time. But now it is also nice having music at your fingertips, whether it's through Apple Music or Spotify or any other platform. Well, it's sort of coming in two phases because that's true, but also I think with vinyl coming back with such a strong resurgence, like I know when I was on this tour, I'd stopped at a lot of record stores and would find like little vinyl gems. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes I like to listen to vinyl where you have to sit down and change it every 15 minutes, you know, flip it over, pick a new record. And sometimes, yeah, it's nice to hit the uh, radio station on Spotify and just like let it run, let it rip discover new things so it's kind of like it's funny that like both things are really popular right now it is and it's cool to watch the evolution of it who knows where we'll be in another 10 years it'll probably be a chip in your brain and (laughs) just think about who you want to it's just plain yeah well it'll tell you what to think and what you should listen to and (laughs) it'll probably be right (laughs) i don't don't know know how i feel about that (laughs) (laughs) it's coming so Trevor, you know, your music is truly transcendental and magical. We can say that as it's been a major component of our spiritual journey as music always has been, but you can always, you know, we always feel gravitated towards the artists who we feel are feeling the same things while they're recording that music. So we're curious, you know, take us back to your roots a little bit. When did you start making music? You know, how old were you? Where did, give us the whole scoop on the background. Well, music's been a part of my life as a kid growing up, but obviously I wasn't doing the things I'm doing now back then. I think it was more just being ensconced in music in school. So, you know, the usual things like band and choir and um, a lot of singing stuff. Um, It was just part of my life and I just enjoyed it, but it was more uh, group things. And when I got to college, I like I took piano lessons as a kid, but I was not very good at it. And I really didn't like it at all Mm -hmm. because it was a lot of just sort of playing sheet music and stuff. And I've never really liked being told what to do. And I was always a really obstinate kid. And I'd probably say, safe to say I'm an obstinate adult, I guess. (laughs) And in college, they had Steinway pianos uh, everywhere. Because the I guess the Steinway daughters went to that school. Mm -hmm. And so whenever they went there. As a vestige of that, they had given them all these pianos, and I think they had about 70 of them. And they were always tuned, and they tuned them multiple times a year. So it was the first time that I'd ever like sat down and even played just like a major C chord or something on a real instrument, and it sounded so good. Like I had a really shitty piano at home growing up, so it, it did not sound good. <laughs> and, and so I, I think it was a real discovery process for me about sound itself and the idea of a proper instrument creating something pleasurable and sort of uh, complex in its reproduction of that sound. And so that really lit a fire in me of just wanting to play another chord and another chord. And then I started just uh, writing really simple sort of pop songs and getting into that whole world. And that just spurred on this process of playing the piano more and more and more for fun. And, you know, it was a long journey. I mean, I was really no good at it, but it helped me to just by creating, I just slowly got better. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I started just recording. This was around the time, I think, uh, 
when digital music, it's just started to be able to record on computers in a real, like in a, in a real more easy way. And, um, I remember I lived in New York city and I just moved there and my grandmother had passed away and she had left me just $2,000 as part of an inheritance. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do with this? And initially I was going to buy a motorcycle, which was not a great idea considering I didn't know how to ride a motorcycle. And I just thought this was a smart idea. And I found one on eBay and I remember it was on like the Upper East Side. And I didn't even know like if I purchased this thing, how I was going to get it down to where I was living in the city because I can't ride, you know, but for some reason I tried to buy it. And in the last few seconds of the auction, somebody else swooped in, purchased it. I didn't get the sale. So alternatively, I, for some reason, thought, well, I guess I'll use that money and I'll buy some audio equipment. I'll get a little like M-Box recording system. And I had one of those early iMacs and I bought that instead. And I started recording a little album. And fast forward, you know, over a decade later, um, I started, uh, just kept making music. And the East Force thing came about later in my life, sort of more in a Saturn Returns type period when... A lot of things were shifting, a lot of things were falling apart in my life, and I was looking for something different, and I was also having a lot of shamanic experiences and just really diving a lot deeper and not um, chasing the same sort of games anymore. And I wanted to make music that was for myself, and I wanted to make music that had nothing to do with a certain commercialization, and it was just truly for myself to use as a tool, a meditative tool, shamanic tool. And... I just got into that for about a year, really casually, uh, sort of a side project. And that became my first record, The Education of the Individual Soul, Great which was a, yeah, it was a powerful experience for me. And that kind of lit the fire that brought me to talking to you today. Wow. You know, it sounds like your journey into the evolution of East Forest was really a true expression of that soul connection within yourself, that awareness of the oneness, you know? It felt, you know, the initial impetus for making the music, I didn't really know what that, uh, where it was coming from. I was just sort of listening to an intuition. But uh, I remember when I did listen to that record, um, and I was using it at the time, I, you know, I'd had psychedelic experiences that had inspired me in the past, or, you know, I had moments of that where I was just like, I, I didn't really have any context for it, but there was something very special about a feeling or a communication, uh, sort of like a soul intuition. And I was sort of chasing that. I was like, what is that? You know, what, what is that information? What is that lesson? Or what is the message I want to hear? And I think it's not that different than, in the same way, we're all sort of yearning to be back with a certain source energy. Yep. You could call that God, you could call it whatever. I mean, all of us. And we're, we're chasing it in different ways. Some people, it's very intentional. Um, some people, it's through religion. Some people, it's through Monday Night Football and beer. They, just, they don't even maybe realize it. They, you know, they're kind of going down a, a weird avenue, but they're, they're looking for um, some kind of solace and some kind of... Um, fighting against the separation that they feel deep down. And so I was chasing that too. Um, and for me, it was through music and sound. But I do remember, I do remember feeling a very, very strong, poignant, particular moment where 
something shifted. And it felt like uh, almost like you stepped into a new stage in your life or uh, crossing some kind of threshold uh, where there's something before and now there's something after. And there's almost like a downloading of uh, some kind of information or a message. And uh, it's not a magic bullet or anything, but I remember it was very profound in that moment in time as far as feeling like there was a new stage to enter into something uh, something like bigger shoes to step into or um, a new skill set to work with. That's beautiful. Yeah, that that's really true cool. True unfolding. Yeah, we can relate on a pretty profound level. You know, you go through the you go through life and you have a lot of um, deaths and spiritual rebirths, and this process is always an evolution and continues to happen throughout your entire life. But those pivotal moments in time where you just feel that shift and that's your consciousness is shifting and you're just feeling, you know, you're being pulled to express your unique soul expression. And it sounds uh, like you were able to do that with your music, which is pretty awesome. I mean, it's part of it for sure. I think my goal with it at least was after I had that experience was that I could start to create more of these experiences for other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the goal was to kind of, continue to follow that feeling that I was looking for. And I, I was really trusting in the idea that if I felt that, then it's probably going to resonate with other people on that very personal, intimate, introspective level. And there's obviously something, or there's a lot of it, it's just totally beyond myself. You feel like you are a vessel, like a fingertip of, or a branch of something that's just speaking from the same source. And it's just one more color to throw out into the world for uh, certain people to hear exactly when they need to hear, whether that's in uh, in Africa, like you say, or uh, after some kind of accident or whatever it is. I mean, there's a huge element of synchronicity and sort of purpose beyond what my mind can come up with. And that's what you're giving yourself over to something larger. And by doing so, there's a lot of trust there. And it's just sort of um, allowing it to unfold as it needs to unfold. And I keep going back to this idea that if if I'm staying true to something that's that's touching me, that's probably the the best litmus test to keep this to keep the project and the offerings I put out there um, to be true and and more powerful. As soon as I start to try to decipher what people want to hear, it becomes pandering, and then mm-hmm. it's it's probably dilutes it in a certain way. That's not I'm not gonna say that's bad, but it, I don't think it'll be as effective or have that sort of pure energy. And that being said, you know, I think it's important like creatively as a human just to kind of follow your excitement and, you know, not overthink things too much. And that's what I'm saying. It's less about thinking and just sort of more about following that intuition mm-hmm. and um and, and just keeping it really personal and true. Absolutely. Keeping that vulnerability and transparency, it's like a major components of a journey of authenticity that other people feel magnetized towards because they they yearn for that within their own activities of self-expression too. And it's like you said, you were hoping that whatever you were putting out there or feeling being led to do was going to inspire others and move them along in the same direction that you felt drawn towards. And, you know, that's something that we 
can relate to with our speaking engagements and things. You know, it's like it, like you said, you become this vessel to just let channel inspiration, this energy. Yeah, just let this inspiration flow out of you and the people who need to hear it. The people, even the words that you may have had planned will change according to the energetic connection of the people in the audience. And it's always something that someone needed to hear and you have no idea where it even came from. And it's this interesting experience where it's purely pure presence and heart at the same time. Yeah, right. We just need to be flexible, I suppose, as people and just pay attention. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and it's not that complicated. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's no there's no easy prescription because we get we fall into these traps as individuals, as egoic people, and that's normal. And sort of the process of going in and out and the compassion with ourselves to say, you know, it's okay. Take the next moment and do it again. Mm-hmm. But um, I've certainly had my pitfalls in the process, and I'm not trying to present myself as having any as any answers. It's just kind of talking about my own experience or what's worked for me. The music for me is, is something to help me work through the day-to-day and help me decipher my own feelings and the things that come up for me. So sharing it is a byproduct of that. And, you know, when it turned into something that I, I dedicated most of my time to and it becomes more of like your, the way you support yourself, then it, it becomes quite tricky because... Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a difficult dance to do. It really is. It's it's easy to play the victim mode and have some job that you technically don't like and you can complain about. But when you're choosing every step of the way and it's it sort of merges into your spiritual life and your own personal path, um, it's it's a, it's a delicate walk to walk. Absolutely. For sure. Now. I know that you have a lot of experience leading sound baths or sound healing ceremonies. Can you share what, what that is like for maybe somebody that hasn't been a part of that or how you got involved with that? Is that kind of one of the first steps that you took into where you are today? Yeah. I, I mean, all sorts of music offerings, anything from uh, traditional performances and concerts and rock clubs like this tour with Trevor Hall that we just finished um, to uh, more meditative things, to work, uh, done a lot of things in yoga festivals, um, and then further down that spectrum to pretty esoteric, long-form, ambient, shamanic uh, circles. And that is how this project started, and that was leading people in uh, psychedelic work with music and particularly with psychedelic uh, mushrooms, psilocybin. And basically finding a particular process and work with that medicine, um, combining it with uh, music that's live and improvisational-based, to, as you say, be free in the moment to channel something and to guide them where it needs to go in that moment, which is really the opposite, I would say, of, of a performance Mm-hmm. And by doing that for several years, um, on one, just on a technical level, it forced me to figure out how to play for hours and hours and hours by myself. So that's what the looping came from that and and needing to do something that was, um, you know, gentle and um, had a particular 
a feeling to it that's that kind of created this patient ambient layered sound and i was doing a lot of hiking and creating gathering these field recordings and sort of became this tapestry of of, of looping and um, very slow moving uh, chords and melodies and the field recordings woven in sort of a nature-based approach and i would record a lot of these um, for myself and so some of my records are from that some of the earlier ones and some are studio records that is something i worked on in the studio but it, it absolutely formed like the musical lexicon of, of what i do and that's definitely probably why there's sort of a uniqueness to the sound but i'm like a western kid who grew up in the states and grew up with the same music as everybody else in this country so i wasn't like appropriating some other shamanic culture musically and that was something that just sort of was by happenstance so like the music is familiar to people mm-hmm. in the sense that the chord progressions are things we know the, the, the um the keys I'm using, the instruments I'm using are all familiar to us. So it's not, it's very approachable. It's not experimental in a way that you can't listen to it. I'd say it's quite the opposite. It's very easy to listen to. And that's why I think it was easy for the yoga community, which is not something I knew anything about, Mm -hmm. but it was easy for them to pick it up and recognize that common core of sort of uh, soul-centered, heart-centered music um, or the meditation world or any, any of these things, because that's, it's not about any of those one things. It's not even just about shamanic work at all. It's just sort of, um, as you're saying, it, it speaks, it's music that speaks to the soul. And when the soul's ready to hear that, there's, there's probably something in there for people to work with, whether that's just in the background or very intentionally, you know, as we're speaking to or, or not, it's like whatever, whatever it needs to be. I mean, there's a lot of records now and a lot, I think, a lot of diversity to what I've put out there. And some of it is, is more like definitely would be useful in that sort of meditative setting. And some of it's a bit more upbeat and it's not, it's probably wouldn't work as well in that setting, but it still has that common core. Right. Right. Yeah. It just, it, it leads others into the shifting within themselves. And there's an infinite number of possibilities. I think, for people in an experience being surrounded by music of that type, you know, and it's also unique, the experience from one individual to the next. Yeah. I mean, I think all art speaks to the same, the same thing in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think our creative impulse as humans is something that makes us unique as humans. And it's sort of the highest form of our, 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 our incarnation is the ability to be creative. And that, that takes shape in many, many ways, not just in the straight, obvious ways of like art and music, but you know, cooking's creative. And even, even how we speak is creative, right? And how you'd raise a child is creative. But these sorts of choices we're able to make and to do it with panache and to do it with a choice that is something to do with you, that you're filtering through all the influences in your life and every other piece of art you ever come across. That's what's so beautiful. And, you know, I, I really do think that's universal across all music. And that's why music is universally so popular across the entire planet and across all time. Mm-hmm. And it's something that goes back, seems to be, we find musical instruments from hunter-gatherers and, and further. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, it goes back to the heartbeat of your mother in the womb. It's like, the, I think the first sense that develops in as a fetus is your sound, your hearing. So it's, 
it's a very powerful sense that we have, and it's a very important part of what it means to be incarnate. And I think music, in the end, is a celebration. It's a celebration of the human spirit, what it means to be a person walking on this planet. And uh, my way of doing it is just one of the infinite uh, flavors out there. And, um, you know, I, I do... I, I guess I'm bringing a little more intention to push it in that particular direction, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't want to get too heavy handed with that either. And it's important to step back and remember, it's like, just, just have some fun with it and follow what you want to do. And, you know, as we were saying before, you can't, you can't steer the ship too much. Like you you can make choices, your hands on the wheel, but yeah. you, you still have to respond to the things that are coming down the pike and to just flow with that. And at the end of the day, it's just another brush stroke on the painting. It's like this huge painting of our lives. And I'm not trying to, you know, you don't want to fall into the trap of getting too uh, egotistical about how, how you think you are steering that ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't have uh, said that better myself. Very beautifully worded. So let's talk about your latest album, Karen. It's a... Honestly, we consider it a musical masterpiece. We absolutely adore it. You know, the lyrics, the melodies, everything is just seems so incredibly heartfelt. What was the experience like for you creating this? What inspired this album? Well, it's it's a little different. Um, that's largely because it was a collaboration with a friend of mine who's uh, goes by the name Keith Sweaty, and he's in Portland. Um, I was in Portland before I moved to Southern Utah. And so Keith is an electronic producer, so he's bringing to the table a lot of, he did all the beat programming, and he has a lot of analog synths we used. And because of that, it it left me with, like, a lot more room to do other things that I don't normally do, like singing and lyrics and stuff. So we just kind of went in that direction, because that's where the project was heading. And it sort of became a merging of... uh, electronic record and but then there's sort of a acoustic element like a lot of strings and mm-hmm. piano and acoustic stuff and then a lot of lyrics which I just was kind of fun to explore so naturally I was exploring like lyrically what was going on in my life which was a big transition going through divorce and moving and all that kind of stuff so I think Divorce or breakups, these sorts of things, it, in some ways, oh wow, there's a huge buck deer walking by my door. Amazing. Wow. Oh, he's got five points. Wow. Look at me. He, he <laughs> likes what you're saying. He's <laughs> chilling out there. <laughs> That's cool. Um, it, it, I know, divorce it sort of mirrors what's going on in our culture or in civilization and so i think i was sort of riffing off of those two things simultaneously like what's happening to me personally like the macro and the micro Mm. Um, and then some of the lyrics were just sort of about you know what's going on in in the world but i found a lot of parallels there and so some of that was about singing inspiration to myself try to you know it's important to sing a song to yourself to to speak to that that inner child that maybe needs some singing to on a, on a continual basis. And some of it was riffing on these ideas of personal choice and consequences and how much choice we do have and letting things go and 
I mean, I think it's probably kind of obvious when you listen to those lyrics, what it's all getting into, but that, that's at least where, where I was at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. And I wanted it to be about something that was, that I knew. And I feel like if you stick with personal themes, it's something, you know, absolutely. Um, but I, I was, it's good to hear that you enjoy it. I mean, I think it's a good record, but I also was nervous at the time that maybe it was steering too far from the common core of what these forces all about. But again, that was a good example where I was just trying to trust, like, look, this has happened and this is going somewhere. And it's important to me to like, let it go where it wants to go versus me steering and think, Oh, it needs mm -hmm. to be more of this or that. Um, and let it be a moment in time. Cause that's what mm -hmm. at their best, what records are. Um, and we did that very quickly too. It was three months from start to finish. Wow. That's really quick. That is. Yeah. I saw yeah. that you, uh, you had some people, or I mean, a lot of different people on there. And one was, um, I can't remember names, but uh, some of the strings from My Morning Jacket. Is that correct? Yeah, there's um, four string players. Um, and Thatcher Schmidt was one that was like an individual. And then there's three others. Uh, Kylene King, Jesse, no, wait, oh, God. Uh, Mirabai Peart. And... Um, with Jesse Detweiler, I've worked with, and, uh, oh, man. Didn't this mean to put you on the problem. spot. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it, it'll come to me in a second. Um, but they have a little string trio that does recordings, and they have worked. Yeah, they just did, like, My Morning Jackets record, and, and mm -hmm. Mirabai works with Joanna Newsom. She goes on tour with her a lot and plays with her. And, um, Kylene King's sister, Patty King, who normally plays at them so like was I think she's in the shins right now and so they, they have a lot of cool cool credits and it was fun to like I've been arranging for strings over the last couple of years and each record or project I try to like step it up a bit and uh this was definitely a fun challenge and it was a real blessing to be able to have the the resources and time to to get them in there and record some string parts. So I, I wrote some of the strings, Keith wrote uh, for one song and his uh, lady who goes by Lorna Dune, she did the string arrangements for the last song, Hearts Are One, which is, I think, a beautiful string arrangement that she came up with. And we're actually releasing like a deluxe version of the record in uh, in January. Sweet. And Ooh. one of the tracks is that last song, but just the piano and strings, which is sort of an accident. We were like in the studio here and we just muted everything except those and it was like oh my god this is so beautiful <laughs> like just the, and uh you really get to showcase her string arrangement on that um she comes from the sort of a contemporary classical world and did a lot of work with like um Philip Glass and all these cool guys in in New York Terry Riley I think so anyway I was really impressed with her work on that and it's I'm looking forward to be able to showcase that track in particular it was such an amazing element, the the strings. I just love the feel of it. It just it, it rounded wow. everything out and it flowed really well. And I just, yeah, it's just amazing. Well, you know, back to comment on what you said, you know, initially you were kind of nervous about whether it strayed a little further away from the East Forest sound. And, you know, I I personally love it when musicians or any artist for that matter in their genre kind of branches out a little bit and like you said you were flowing where it was directing you and it's best to let it kind of drive you know let it drive the ship and I think that it ended up being a really good success 
for you to have let down that that uh, control, so to speak, and just flow with it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we noticed that you host a, a yearly four-day spirit dive retreat. What's that about? Yeah, it's something I've I've wanted to do for years, and we just started doing it. Uh, we've done two now. And it's basically a, a, a spiritual retreat that I do out here in Boulder, Utah, which is a place that I've been coming to. <clears throat> um, oh, before I forget, Anna Fritz. That's who it is. There we player. go. There you go. <laughs> Anna's amazing. Um, yeah, this is, so we do this retreat out here. I'm doing it in the fall next of 2018. And it involves um, a lot of um, time out in the wilderness. So, you know, day hikes. Uh, because I think just getting out into the space and the landscape is so inspiring. It involves music, some meditation, yoga, organic food, good people. So it's a time to unplug, it's a time to be inspired, and it's mostly about giving people the architecture and the space for these things to happen versus any sort of dogma or prescription. It's just sort of setting the stage. And I really find that the land here is so powerful. Um, I call it a raw a raw nature diet because this particular area besides it being visually stunning it was one of the last places to be geologically surveyed in the u.s and it's still not as like sullied by culture it's because it's so far away from things wow and so because of that the energy of this space is still very strong and very pure I mean, there's anastasi artifacts all over the place i mean you just find them on the ground like when we would go on hikes and we'd find like little you know little you can see where the camps were and see some artifacts of that and that's um it connects you to your ancestry it connects you to the land and i find that the land itself speaks through people and it's really just about bringing them here and getting out of the way as i was saying setting the stage and then um powerful things happen for them um, you know, as long as they help set an intention of why they're here. Yes. So it's, it, I'm always looking for like, different doorways for people to walk through. Uh, the music is one of them. And I'm looking um, to, in the future to expand into more offerings for people to help explore that inner space and to empower them to make their own choices and to find their own paths. And so this retreat is is one of those. And it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time, and it's it's a it's a great way to feel like still be in service to something larger. Well, I like how you combine all the elements from nature to music to high vibratory foods and yoga. I think though all of those are extremely powerful healers alone, and then when you put them together, I mean they're just enhanced tenfold. So that's very very cool. It's something. Uh, you know, we are starting to get into the retreat space um, and, and getting more into the spiritual side of things as we have been into for a long time. And I just I love that. I love what you're doing with that. And hopefully uh, at some point, Sarah and I will uh, be able to come out and attend. Well, most importantly, yeah, it's, it's get, getting people, ourselves, everyone out of their own way. Right. To allow that soulful connection to just show you what it already knows you know we just kind of sometimes push it down when we're in day-to-day society and the you know depending on what jobs or careers or how you live your life you know those times away really spark that 
innate wisdom reconnects you to it. Well, Nana, we've also been so disconnected from nature and, you know, we live in these cities and we're full of light pollution, light pollution, and we're not able to even stargaze. And it's, I mean, that's a huge, huge part of it. Just to be able to look up the sky and see a starry night. Absolutely. When we lived in Africa, Chris's village was even more remote than mine. And so when I would go to visit him, three-day bus ride south of where I lived near, I was by Kilimanjaro Mountain in Tanzania, and he was just above the border of Mozambique. And we would, every single night, just have a nice little candle lit and stare up into the sky. It was the most glorious, beautiful night sky we've ever seen. I don't I don't know if we'll ever see the same one quite, quite like yeah. we did then. Well, you know, that's something our ancestors dealt with for millennia, right? It's yeah. only in the last hundred-some years that uh, we have changed that. And so it's it's our birthright to to look up at the stars and to be be humbled by our sense of place. And you know, out here where where we do these retreats where I live, this is one of the darkest places in the whole US and we're at seven thousand feet. So you Man. can imagine it's like the Milky Way and the stars from oh. horizon to horizon every night is a blessing. We're going. <laughs> it's 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 super powerful. It really is. And it there's there's a something to be said for the simplicity of connecting back to ourselves, it's mostly about just getting some things out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like unpeeling an onion. It's like there's, you're already there and that intuition is already there. It's just about clearing the muck so it can be heard. Yeah. And uh, it's about slowing down or giving space for something to speak to you that's always speaking to you. It's, just, it's clouded uh, or covered over, whether that's by busyness or our jobs or foods or uh, just our day-to-day modern lives um, it's, it can be confusing and I think the recipe sometimes is through simplicity in a sense it doesn't you know it doesn't make it I guess it's a simple process but I wouldn't say it's an easy process and I'm speaking from my own experience that like I yearn for this too and I come out here a lot of that's my own medicine of what I, I'm looking for but you know, look, we all have difficult days and we all have difficult transitions. Um, but I would hope that or I found that when we can allow something to speak to us, uh, and that including just our own intuition, that's something we need to cultivate. And it's something that's sort of like a garden. So it does take a bit of intention for you to 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 give that uh, room to speak to you and to strengthen that muscle. Yes. Very well said. So for our listeners who are interested in following your music or looking for more information on this amazing retreat that you're doing, you said in the fall, where can they follow you? Where can they find you? Everything's at eastforest.org. So not eastforest.com. That takes you to a Chinese language site. (laughs) Eastforest.org. And there's a retreat tab and I've got some, a lot of info and a little video about it and I think if people feel called, they'll know. Yep. And all the music's there and everything else. And then if you're just looking for music in general, besides my website, it's easy to find anywhere else on your favorite music source or player, or even just Google if you type in East Forest. Um, there's a lot to, to dig into. I'd say just follow your intuition and you'll probably take you in the right place. Wonderful. Thanks for the beautiful and refreshing conversation. We always love uh talking with inspirational and 
people like as your like yourself and uh we really enjoyed it well hey man ditto um just doing my thing happy that uh this conversation can get out and you know bring a little light to the world i hope perfect well thanks for coming on the show trevor thanks guys well that was delightful yes very i enjoyed talking to him what a wonderful soul Yes, and I am so stoked to check out his retreat. Oh my God, that sounds so nice. It does. <laughs> well, I thought it would be fitting for our health tip of the episode to be about sound baths, because some of you might be like, what? what is a sound bath? So a sound bath is an experience in which gongs, singing bowls, other musical instruments are played in a way to promote a more relaxed mind and nervous system. So if the person who's doing a proper sound bath knows what they're doing, they will guide listeners on a journey of self-discovery, inner exploration, and it just really promotes that deep relaxation and peace, your expansion of consciousness. It helps to open the body's entire energetic system. And, you know, it's kind of like what Trevor was talking about with his retreats. It's a very on-the-spot, in-the-moment um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not trying to fill in the blanks, but my mind doesn't work. <laughs> I'm so relaxed after that interview. It's improvised. That's the word I'm looking for. Where the musician is is feeling the energetic field of those around them, and they know how to intuitively let that music flow through them. Remember the one we went to? Oh, that was incredible. She was so talented. This woman was playing like. 10 different instruments in different ways, walking around the room, literally bathing us in the sound. Reverberates through your body. (laughs) It was intense. Talk about crazy. And, you know, you just show up, you sit down or you lay down and you simply listen and stay present with the sounds and stay present with what you're experiencing. And of course, different sound baths are unique sometimes more physical sensations are felt or sometimes you go on an emotional journey other times people will even see things like colors shapes images almost kind of like a dream and occasionally a sound bath will activate that higher mind you know where people will receive creative insights or perhaps they'll work out issues they couldn't solve prior to that so Whatever your experience, a sound bath is there to ultimately relax you and bring you to that state of, um, you know, ultimate peace. Of course, when you do find a good place to go get a sound bath, make sure that you show up without wearing any super strong scents like cologne or perfume or any strong essential oil smells. You don't want to disturb others in the room. Of course, don't touch the equipment because that is for them, not for you. And try to arrive early so that you can be settled and ready at the start time. There's nothing worse than going to like a meditation session and people showing up five or ten minutes late because then it disturbs those who are in the room. I think that just about covers it. Absolutely. Oh, and that little piece of musical glory you get to hear transitioning from our introduction to the interview with East Forest was the beginning of one of his songs from the album Karen. And we are going to finish this episode out with the rest of that song. So enjoy. Enjoy Fresh Start by East Forest. <laughs> 